Good morning, Fellowship Alesa. Good morning to our guests and our friends and family joining, joining us online this morning. I hope you had a wonderful week, and I hope that the Lord has blessed you in more ways than you can think of. I'd like to invite you to take a copy of God's Word and find your place in the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. This week, we're taking a break from the book of Genesis And this Lord's Day, we're going to be focusing on a section that I think is very timely for us. Why? Because if you pay attention to what's going on in the world today, it's sad. There's so many things going on. Sin is rampant throughout the world. Why? Because the world does not know the good news of Jesus Christ. Christ. The gospel is life-changing. And if we want to see people's lives changed, we want to make an impact in this world, it begins by us going to one person, one person and sharing the good news with them. Whether they, if they're black, white, brown, yellow, or red, they need to hear the truth from the church to bring about the good news of Christ. The gospel is foolish in this world. Paul tells us about that in 1 Corinthians. But the good news is truth. And its truth is compelling and it's lovely and it's beautiful. And it will never diminish. Today, I want us to look at four things from Romans chapter 12. Four points. The first is the struggle within ourselves. Second, our calling within the church. Thirdly, our love for the church. And lastly, our relationship in this world. As we seek the Lord today, as we gather around his word, I want to look at the last part of our section as I read from Romans chapter 12, verse 14 through 21. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, verse 14 through 21. And the word of God says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath, for it is written... Vengeance belongs to God. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, in verse 20, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Would you pray with me? Father, Thank you for your holy, mighty word. And Lord, as we dig in today, 
in Romans chapter 12. May you speak to the heart of the believer. Lord, as we have a purpose in this world to make an impact with the gospel. And Father, we are called to be bold. We are called to be courageous. And we are called to carry out this truth to a fallen world. Father, the image bearers, the human race needs to hear the truth. And the truth is about the saving grace. And so, Father, as we set everything aside at this moment and concentrate on your word, may you comfort us and challenge us. Lord, and if there's anyone tuning in that does not have a relationship with you, may they see the beauty of your saving grace and the gifts that you bring through the Holy Spirit. And may you touch their heart Draw them to yourself and open their eyes to the wonderful gospel that sets them free and brings peace forever. We are thankful for the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, and let's look at Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. The first one of the sermon is Christians struggle with ourselves, the Christian struggle with ourselves. Romans chapter 12, verse three says this, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed, distributed a measure of faith to each one. Before you and I can make an impact in this world, we have a struggle. And what is that struggle within ourselves, Christian? It is Pride. That's why the word of God says here, the grace that has given to us. This phrase right here should lead us into living a humble life. In any context that we are in as a leader, Christians are leader, but in that context that we find ourselves in leading, it can bring about pride. It can bring a struggle with Puffing out our chest, being boastful. But Paul is using himself as an example in this text because he understands that there is a struggle between pride. That's why he says, I tell you or I say in this section. Because he knows that all the gifts that he has been given and that the church has been given, you and I, is by grace. And one can fall easily into the trap of pride. Paul continues on in verse 3 as he says this. For us to think highly of ourselves, uh, he's talking about us being arrogant, superior. That we're not to be this way. That we are to think more people as more important than ourselves. It must have been evident at the church in Rome that some of the Christians there were letting spiritual pride get the best of them. For a person to think that they are superior than anyone else, or that they believe that God has vested in them all the answer to all the world problems, big or small, that person is ultimately walking in pride. 
And if you're walking in pride, then you don't want to listen to anyone else. You don't want to serve anyone else. You want to be about yourself. And the attitude of the Christian in the word of God is to be self-denying, not self-centered, but humble and serving. We see in verse three that we are to be people of self-control. That's why he says for us to think sensibly. Sensibly means to have care and have a level head. When you know that you are a sinner, saved by grace, you don't think highly of yourself. If you know that everything you have has been given by God, your heart is right. You don't think highly of yourself. And as we've seen from the beginning of this text, we are not to think lowly of ourselves as well. Having the proper thought and attitude of who we are, a child of the one true king, a saint saved by grace, man, that's the perspective we're to walk in. Pride is a hard thing to overcome. Not one of us want to be arrogant or prideful. So how can we overcome being prideful? Remind ourselves daily that we are dependent upon God for today, for tomorrow, and forevermore. That you and I are both sinners, that we are depraved by sin and in need of a hero to get through the day daily. Forgiveness is nothing I have deserved. It was granted to us by the mercies of God, by him taking a place, taking our place on a cross and bearing our shame. That is one way for us to be humble and to fight against pride. Well, after we have struggled with pride and we work within ourselves, we work on ourselves, we can now see what our calling is in the church. Look at verse four through eight in Romans 12. The Christian calling in the church. Now as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting in ex- exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. We see here that unity in diversity. We are made up of many parts, functioning differently, but functioning as one body. That's what Paul was talking about in verse 6 through 8. But as one body, we have different personalities. We have different gifts, and that's what's awesome about the church of God, the body of Christ. Verse five says that even though we are different we, and we have different functions, we are one. Diversity does not mean disunity. We are a part of one another, and we share in the fellowship of Jesus Christ because of the union that he bought you and I through his blood. We also see the spiritual gifts mentioned through six through eight. Now, Paul lists 
uh, not every single spiritual gift, but he lists some here. He lists some here. But we cannot obtain these by ourselves. They are given by grace. Prophecy. To communicate and reveal the word of God. To build up the believers. Service. Ministry. Helping one another. Aiding one another. Teaching and exhorting. To provide guidance and moral instruction from the word of God. To encourage one another. Giving with generosity. Having a cheerful heart to contribute to other needs. <laughs> he also says by showing mercy, giving compassion, helping those who are hungry, those who are sick, those who are cold. And lead with diligence, having the benefit to help others before yourself. When you lead, with diligence, you lead with others' best interest in your heart. Each one of these gifts are very important. But to think about the body of Christ. Think about your big toe, for instance. Let's say some of us are a big toe. I have heard it said that a big toe is a much-needed part of the foot for, your, for you to walk. But there's one thing about a big toe that's... Uh, Quite interesting to me, right? It's usually covered up. You usually don't see it. And there's some gifts that people have that you just don't see in service in the ministry at Fellowship Aletha and at other churches. They are the behind the scenes in ministry, like cleaning, vacuuming, painting, throwing the trash, trimming trees, spraying the weeds. Those are just as important as, as me standing in front of you proclaiming the word of God. Each one of us has a part at Fellowship Aletha and in the body of Christ. Whatever you do to help edify the body of Christ is glorifying to our Heavenly Father. So now we have seen our calling within the church. Now let's look how we are to love the church. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 13. Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. In verse 9, we see that love is sincere and that we are to hate evil and cling to what is good. Love without hypocrisy, the word of God says. That they, again, that means that we are to love, have a sincere love for one another within the church. It's not fake. It's not selfish. It's not an act. I mean, it's... You don't wear a mask when you love people. You're not hiding your feelings or your motives. It's not like smiling and say everything's fine, but it's not. It's being pure, it's being honest, and it's being genuine, and it's being real. And that's what Fellowship Aletha is about, being real, having an authentic love for one another. 
Verse 9 also tells us that we are to abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. God has made it very clear in his word that his standards are true and absolute, and they apply to everyone. Sin is not something to be winked at, shrugged off, or tolerated away. Evil should be hated, and good should be clinged to. We should despise all oppressive injustice that denies a life, causes people to be devalued, like exploitation, violence, discrimination, racism, the voiceless, and human trafficking. This is corruption. And we as Christians, we should love, love the Imago Dei, the image of God, We should have dignity for all people. We should be willing to protect the vulnerable. We should be willing to bring about a salvation to those who have not heard it. We stand up for those who don't have a voice because we cling to what is good. Verse 10 says to love is affectionately devoted and honoring. What does that mean? To show family affection and brotherly love. The Greek word philostrogos means to have a devoted love for one another within the body. And what does a devotion of love look like? Loyalty. No matter what, I love you. But also, it tells us that having an affectionate love reminds us to be tender towards one another. That means that we should give room for error. That in my imperfection, and in your imperfection, and in our weakness, no matter what, we are loyal to one another. And I have a tender love for one another, and you have a tender love for one another. The word of God also says that we're to be honoring in our love, that we respect and value one another. To devalue any person, to mock a person, or to hurt a person, or to kill a person is a slap in the face of the creator who values human life. And we, as pro-life, stand for all race, the human race, no matter what color, no matter what age, no matter what economic status, no matter where you live, we value them and we show honor to them. Love in verse 11 says, is to be enthusiastic and is not lagging in diligence. Be fervent in the spirit while you serve the Lord. What does it mean, not lagging in diligence? Well, when you love the body, and when I mean the body of Christ, I mean the church and the fellow parts within it, you also show people how to love. And when you are fervent in the spirit, this means not to be lazy that we have a drive within us that intensifies our hearts 
to do the good work that the Lord has called us to. Some may have a zeal for truth. Some may have a zeal for love. And on one hand, zeal can be often manifested in quiet determination. A person who sticks to a particular course and does not uh, waver one way or the other. The person who does not draw attention to oneself. The person isn't trying to make a name for him or herself, but is quiet with determination and presses on in a particular cause of carrying the gospel. That is being fervent in spirit. Also, love within the church brings about rejoicing and hope and leads to prayer. The faithful Christian rejoices in light of any situation they face because of their hope found in the glory of our Heavenly Father. That our glory is also found in the salvation, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And why do I say that? Well, because affliction will come in our lives. And when affliction comes, we need to be patient. And being impatient, we find ourselves in prayer. And this is where the body of Christ is so important. Because Galatians tells us that we are to carry one another's burdens. That we are running together, hand in hand, facing these trials together. But during our times, as we find ourselves in affliction, we must be praying. Matthew Henry said this, those who live without prayer live without God in their world as we are called to be consistently and persistent in prayer, that should be simple to us if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Because the more you love him, the more you will seek him. And the more you seek him, the more you'll find him. And the more you find him, the more you want to be with him. Prayer is our lifeline with God. How thick is your lifeline? Is it a thread is it a rope or is it a cable sometimes my lifeline is like a bungee cord springing me back into reality as it bounces me back and forth and it keeps me in check let's continue on in verse 13 of of Romans chapter 12 love leads to generosity and hospitality Wow, generosity, this is uh, showing love and distributing uh, to those in need. And being a loving Christian within the body of Christ and loving the body means that we are generous. We help spiritually and we help physically. But being being hospitable means that we love strangers. Those who are foreign and those who are different. The kind of That's the kind of love that Paul is describing here for us. That we love those with different skin color, those with different nationalities, those with different religion, those who are different ages than us. We love them and we show hospitality to all. Sunday is the best part of my week. Sunday, I love worshiping on the Lord's day. 
It is gathered around the word of God, most importantly, but there's another benefit. Fellowship with one another. Fellowship is a mutual bond that Christians have with Christ that puts us in a deep, eternal relationship with one another. And the love we have for one another is a display of Christian fellowship, and together we persevere. Lastly, as I read at the beginning of the message, verses 14 through 21, a Christian's relationship with the world. A Christian's relationship with the world. Verse 14 tells us to bless, don't curse. This is coming straight from the Sermon of the Mount that Jesus Christ preached. Instead of uh, hoping for the worst to happen to our enemies, we are willfully hoping the best will come to them. Ultimately, salvation. And instead of speaking words of hatred towards them, we we choose to speak words of truth towards those who intend to hurt us. Also in this world, we are to rejoice with others and weep with others. Christians have a generous spirit about them. And with that generous spirit, we are to reach out to our neighbors. We are to have a gentle heart towards them. We should have empathy and sympathy towards others. We should be willing to connect with all people, engage with all people. I'm reminded how Jesus did this as he went to the tomb of Lazarus. He wept with Martha and Mary, and he also added joy at the occasion at Cana during the wedding ceremony. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Also in this world, (coughs) excuse me, we're to be humble towards others. Verse 16 tells us something uh, a little different here that it could be confusing. In the first part, it tells us to be in agreement with others, but, but who? The Greek word here used for agreement means for us to stand on the truth. People are gonna have their opinions and we have our opinions. But in this world, when we face disagreements, we never waver from the word of God. Topics out in this world, we disagree with. And we do this in a humble way. But we never go away from the truth that is found in the word of God. In verse 17, it says here, to exchange evil with honorable. We are to live above reproach. We are not to repay evil for evil. That makes us participants of evil. Our natural inclination is to clench our fist when we get hit in the face. But the word of God tells us that we have to restrain against this. Our natural instincts want us to retaliate. We want revenge, but the word of God wants us to display kindness. 1 Thessalonians 4.12 says, walk properly toward those who are outsiders. And as we walk properly towards them, we are peacemakers. In verse 18, pursue peace with all, no matter what. 
And Paul uses some language here. He says, if possible, it depends on you. Paul makes it clear that peace does not completely depend on the actions of Christians. It takes two in cooperation in order to have peace. And you can't control the other end. But the word of God is saying here that if there is no peace, let it not be the fault of the Christian. We are to be peacemakers. But also, it tells us that we are not to instigate the peace breaking. In a world that seems to be breaking peace all around us, believers have an aim to live in peace with all people. Lastly, we are to do what is good, verse 19 through 21. The word of God is telling us, again, not to retaliate, but that retribution belongs to the Lord. And it's a promise that we see from the word of God in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. We are to maintain composure. <coughs> and often, that is the best evidence of the Holy Spirit within us. Why do I say that? Even during the most corrupt trial known to mankind, Jesus kept quiet and a humble composure before his accusers. Verse 20 in Romans 12 says that we see that we are to feed our enemies. If they do us wrong, not only does the word of God tell us to forgive them, but avenge as well by doing a favor for them. And verse 21 says in Romans 12, don't overcome a verbal slam with a verbal slam. Do not overcome a punch for a punch, but letting grace and goodness come from your mouth. You must fight against doing evil. You have to conquer it or it will conquer you. That's what verse 21 says. Concluding, I want to leave you with three applications of a Christian living in this world. Number one, live in humility. We hear that in churches, but what does that look like? It is to be glad that God gets all the credit and the glory for everything that you have and everything you have done. Remember, the grace that we have been given is a gift. And if we live in humility, it will compel us to not boast or be prideful, but to give honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. Secondly, live in unity no matter what no matter what we look like where we come from we are together the blood of christ church binds us together it brings salvation to all people who believe and if the church can be unified together then we are stronger together and the world could see that, and that would be a witness for the gospel. Lastly, live to love. We are to love 
all people. To love people with our best, we must first love God the most. This is where the truest form of love comes from, and it's a gift from God himself. I'm reminded of 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. And when you love like Christ, you do not see people different than you. You see them like you, the image bearer of God in Genesis 1, 26. How we love people and others reveal how much we love our heavenly father. Folks, do you know that Christ loves you? He died for you. At the bottom of the screen, there is a text message or a a number you can text to reach out to a pastor who wants to tell you the truth about Jesus Christ and how much he loved you. Would you reach out to one of them? Let them know that you need to hear the truth. I know they're waiting to talk to you. Would you pray with me as we close today? Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, you have called the church to live differently. And there's some things that we may have to deal with. But Father, we seek you as we try to, by your amazing grace, live for you each and every day. Father, this world needs to see the church unified. This world needs to see that the church is loving. And may that overflow to conversations about how we love them and how Christ loves them that he was willing to die for them. Lord, every person is valuable. Every person is created in the image of God. And Father, may the church heart be soft to carry the good news to all people so that their life can find peace and comfort in you. You be glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.